You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our fourth episode here of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs, fresh off of a stream. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, what could be better? Stream for a few hours, get a couple trophies, come to record a podcast. Living the dream. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Bandcamp is officially wrapped up, and I have the week free here to jam tons of drafts before before school starts up, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Amazing. Also, you... uh. You were in the streamer showdown this past week. How did, how did that turn out for you? Um, well, we did a lot better than our last streamer showdown appearance, I'll tell you that much. I uh, I won. I won my draft pod, which was pretty crazy. Had some really interesting slash interesting game slash lucky breaks against all my opponents. Uh, shout outs to Mrs. Mulligan, Caleb Durward, and Jamie Topples. Um, it's, it is just like a little more stressful. Like, you know you're playing against people who know what they're doing you know a lot of people are watching you know like you're gonna get to see both sides of the matches like it's a very cool thing to be a part of yeah and so for for people that don't do twitch the streamer showdown is uh like twitch is where like ethan and i do our thing we broadcast ourselves playing magic the gathering and the streamer showdown is like some of the top streamers in the magic the gathering community uh they pre-arrange a draft pod on magic online and those people uh, duke it out to see who to see who emerges on top and lord tupperware got the job done this week so yeah pretty awesome yeah very fun how you doing in drafts my friend how, how's the trophy leaderboard going yeah we should do a we should do a check on the uh the old trophy count update um i have been doing much 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 better since the first week um so currently my record in matches is 56 and 27 nice i've done 29 drafts i have a 67 percent win rate uh, nine trophies and nine finals losses. So <laughs> wow. I've been to been to the finals in almost two thirds of my drafts. Nine trophies, nine three O's, um, and I think my win rate's about back where it back where it should be. It was hovering slightly like above fifty five percent, I think, for a while, and then I went on a little heater here and and got four trophies in a row uh, a couple days ago. So yeah, how about how about you? I know you're still crushing it. Yeah, well, I did go. I did have have my fair share of a slump. I went like was it 13 drafts without a trophy um which is a lot and and a lot of those were like o twos and one twos but i am am now coming back so i'm done 47 drafts uh my record is 94 and 39 i have 16 trophies plus a 3-0 from the streamer showdown which i'm not counting as a trophy but does still heck yeah you were counting that as a trophy that's like the most important trophy it's still a 3-0 but it doesn't you know i just can't put it on my like stream as a record because i know people come in and be like oh but it says you have 16 how come you're counting at 17 so oh they didn't they didn't give you a trophy for that no because it's not like you know it's not in the it's a separate thing it's not in the leagues oh that's brutal yeah um so i'm i'm at about a 71 percent win rate right now so um so still think probably a little bit above where i'll end up i'll probably end up chilling around 67 at the end of the format but uh yeah that's where i'm at so what have you what have you been having the most success with can you pin it down to like one or two decks um i definitely think the cat's out of the bag with red white uh, basically since we last recorded i have not had success slash barely been drafting red um i've been moving more towards grixis colors and really liking and we'll get into this in a little bit but <clears throat> really liking wall of forgotten pharaohs um and the decks that it slots into and the sort of desert matters synergies that a lot of the grixis colors provide you with because they reward you for taking those lands highly which i kind of want to take highly anyway 
So yeah, a, a lot of that. I've had a little bit of success with um, black green and blue green and as just sort of like grindy mid-range to late game control decks. But yeah, how about you? Uh, I've had the most success drafting like various flavors of Jund. Um, a, lot, a lot of my trophies have been like red, black, or green, black, or green, black, splashing red. I've been picking the removal very high. I've had the most success when I've been picking Ambuscade, Torment of Venom, Lethal Sting, Open Fire very highly. Yeah. Getting multi- multiple copies of those cards and just kind of filling in my deck with like either aggressive creatures or uh, a little bit later game creatures, like whatever comes around, but just, just relying on having premium removal um that's kind of been and i've been i've been struggling with blues i've been kind of biasing away from it a little bit even though that's not proper proper draft etiquette there yeah but it has really been been rough when i've drafted blue so far in the format so i'm hoping to figure some stuff out from talking to you this episode i think it's pretty interesting that both of us named uh every color but white as colors we're enjoying these days and i think that's because aside from oketra's avenger white doesn't have a lot going on at common that's pretty exciting i mean right dauntless haven is nice haven of enduring hope fine sandblast has gone way down for me from where i was at in the set review i just think uh and mummy paramount is basically just a black white card it doesn't really belong in any other deck um so i think uh i think white certainly got a hit with the introduction of hour of devastation I agree, and I think I think we were both pretty high on white mm-hmm. initially because we were both able to get like four or five Oketra's Avengers, and I just don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, and I think going into white for Oketra's Avenger now, like you're at a very huge risk of just getting cut off because I think a lot of people are trying to draft that deck. Mm-hmm. So I think we're kind of at in this format now where we were in Amonkhet, where like you know everyone was in love with red white, and you and I were drafting a lot of not red white because it wasn't open. Right. All right. Well, we got a lot to cover today in the episode so i think we'll get right into uh the round table for this week we're just going to do one um not a crack pack we're going to do a pack one pick two um so this came from a draft that i did on stream um so your first pick ben is hour of glory it's a pretty straightforward pack i don't quite remember what things you're passing not that that's really going to influence your uh choice for the pack but uh hour of glory do do you know what that card does ben i do and i have not even looked it up yet i was getting ready to show off Three, three and a black for an instant that exiles target creature, and if it was a god, you get to exile other copies of the god from their hand, maybe? Something right. like yeah, that? Yeah, you, you get to look at their hand, and, and if they got any more of those gods, you get to nab those two. Not relevant text for limited, but uh, yeah, basically final reward for one less mana. Um, great, so here is your pack, uh, one pick two. Okay. Without weakness is in the pack. That's uh, not very good. Don't need to discuss that, do we? Nope. Okay. Uh, Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, one of the cards that will be coming up a lot in this episode, just as something that uh, I've newly found love for. That's the two colorless defender. It's an 0-4, and it can hit your opponent for a damage by tapping if you have a desert in your yard or in play. Yeah, I think that card's very good. Yeah. Uh, Spellweaver Eternal, also in the pack. Yeah, that card has gone up for me since the start of the format quite a bit. For uh, sure. I think that card's pretty key to any blue deck that wants to be aggressive. Yeah. This may even have eked out, if we, if we have Unquenchable Thirst as number one blue un, uh, blue common in the set, I think Spellweaver Eternal may have jumped over Aerial Guide as number two. That's certainly where it's at for me at the moment. Seer of the Last Tomorrow, the Ben Warney Memorial card. <laughs> yeah, we're not picking that. We're not picking that. <laughs> uh, open Fire is in the pack so open fire is still your front runner for best common in the set uh yeah ambuscade's rapidly creeping up on it though 
Ambuscade has been impressing me more and more the more I've played with it, but I still think I value the consistency of open fire and the fact that it can't get blown out by something like Unsummon or things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if they're, so spoiler alert, Torment of Venom and Lethal Sting are not in the pack. So with that being said, is there any common you would take over open fire at this point? Consider, let's say the rest of the pack was duds. Maybe an ambuscade. I would have to think about it, but probably not. I think I would just be taking open fire. No ambuscade. So I'll, I'll run through the rest of the comments pretty quickly. We've got Kenra Eternal, which is like, you know, nice because it's also black, but certainly no reason to get married to your first pick and take the open fire, take it over open fire with uh, your hour of glory. Uh, then we've got a Harrier Naga, the Desert of the Indomitable, the, oh no, oh, there we go, Defiant Kenra. Uh, and Active Heroism round out the commons in the pack. And uh, apologies if people don't know these cards by name, but they're worse than Open Fire, so we don't really need to discuss them. Moving into the uncommons, there's really only one to discuss, and that's going to be Tenacious Hunter. It's a uh, two green green for the 4-4, four, four, and if you have a minus one, minus one counter on something, uh, any creature on the, on the board, uh, it has Vigilance and Death Touch. That's close for me with Open Fire right now. Mm-hmm. Um... Our first pick is Hour of Glory. Which I think is interesting. Like, if it was a rare that was blue or white, I think it would be, like, there would be less of a discussion. But because, like, if, in theory, we take Tenacious Hunter here and pair it with get to play both green and black, that's the combo where Tenacious Hunter is almost always going to have Vigilance and Death Touch. Or not almost always, but it's going to be way more likely to have those two keywords than it will in other color pairs. Yeah, I I think I would be on Tenacious Hunter over Open Fire right now. But pack one, pick, knowing that we've already got a premium removal spell, mm-hmm. but pack one, pick one, I might be on Open Fire over Tenacious Hunter, I think. Great. Um, the other two, uncom- the rares missing from the pack, and the other two uncommons are Sunset Pyramid and Crook of Condemnation. So it's really just between the Hunter and the you Open said, Fire. You said the, you said the other two uncommons are missing? No, no, the, the rare is missing, and the other rare two uncommons missing. are Crook of Condemnation and Sunset Pyramid. Oh, and Sunset Pyramid is like the two-tap draw card guy? Correct. And the crook okay. is the graveyard hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, that's a tough choice. I think I think I would go with the Basilisk because I think green-black... It's a crocodile. I think I like... Yeah, I think I like... Oh, it's, well, but it's got the Basilisk ability of Death Touch. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll give you a pass. Yeah, so that's why it's categorized as a Basilisk <laughs> in my head. I think I would go with the Crocodile. The 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I took. I actually don't remember, but I think that's what I ended up taking. I, I think also there's also a slight um, thing to me when I like take a green... If I have like a card like Hour of Glory and then second pick a green card, but I'm like, well, if I'm in green, I'm going to be probably more able to splash something. And Hour of Glory is exactly the kind of card that I want to splash. So even if I take Hunter and I end up green, blue or something, I can probably finagle away to get Hour of Glory in my deck. Whereas if I take Open Fire... It's not necessarily going to be the case. Right. That It's interesting that you said that out loud because I was thinking about that while I was deciding what the pick was for me, but I didn't actually verbalize it. So mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Um, and I also think this is an interesting thing to bring up because Kenra Eternal is in the pack. I think there is some amount of people that would be like, well, we have a premium black removal spell and this is like a premium black common or like, you know, third best black common, fourth best black common, whatever. Like it's still serviceable. You're almost never cutting these from your black decks like why not just take it and it's like well because there's way better stuff in the pack yeah i agree um great so that, that's uh that's the round table for you yeah and you you've been talking a lot about uh where where deserts have been at for you and i think i think we want to take a, a quick dive into what all of the 
common and uncommon desert payoff cards are. Um, Ethan did a really nice job of laying all this out. And like, all it took for me was like 30 seconds of looking at this chart to think, wow, okay, that's very clear cut. Like, And it made a lot of sense. And I think I have a better handle on when to pick the desert cards and what makes me want to go into deserts. So you want to, you want to run off uh, white first? Yeah. So um, just to, to piggyback off that, out of our set review, the biggest thing that I was trying to keep an eye on was deserts. Like, I'm curious how highly you want to take them. Like, in what, maybe what colors are they better in? I obviously realize that having them in your deck is always good because just having cycling lands is great. Like, being able to either have the lands or pitch them away later to draw a card is just really valuable and limited, really smooths out your draws. Um, But not all deserts are created equal in my mind in this format. So yeah, in white, if you look at Basically, just looking at commons and uncommons, you have Solitary Camel at common as the desert payoff, and that's the 3-mana 3-2 that has lifelink if you have a desert in the yard or in play. And there's Desert's Hold at uncommon, which is the arrest that if you have a desert, you gain 3 life. I was just thinking how much better the desert payoff for Desert's Hold would be as if it was pacifism without a desert and arrest with the desert, because the arrest text on this card is so relevant. The fact that it turns off tappers or activated abilities really like pushes this card over the top for me and the three life doesn't matter at all in my opinion uh that's interesting i disagree i think desert hold i think desert's hold is a lot better when you have a desert and you get to gain that three life i think the format's fast enough that well first of all desert's just an objectively better card the way it is right now right if Mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about deserts for the arrest effect right and i really like the bonus of incidental three incidental three life i think that's more relevant than you're giving credit for i mean it's certainly not i'm certainly not like picking deserts because i have a desert told but if i happen to get deserts i mean i'm i'm happy to include them because i think the three life's good that's really that's really that's more how i'm thinking about it so i guess i should be more specific but you're like when i first pick a desert told there is nothing that makes me go i should be looking out for those white deserts not right, a agree. dang thing. Where if I look at Sand Strangler in red, that's the Flame Tongue Kavu. Like I first pick Sand Strangler, I'm look. I need deserts. I need to have them because this card is going to be so good. If when I turn play this on turn four and have a desert, I'm gonna like really get my opponent. Um, and then there's you know the uncommon cycle of lands. So whites is the Shafet Dunes, which is the two white white tap sack a desert to give your whole team plus one plus one at sorcery speed. Um, so all in all, these three desert payoffs don't really do it for me, save for Shafet Dunes. I actually think I-, I have activated this and seen my opponents activate it and not been very happy about it. Um, so I think, but the, the Solitary Camel and, and the Desert's Hold do not really do it for me. I don't know what your feelings are. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm more likely to include Solitary Camel in my deck if I do have, like, three deserts but i'm not going out of my way to pick up deserts for solitary camel i guess exactly um so yeah take a quick look into green here uh the common payoff there's only and it's interesting there's only one common payoff in each color Mm -hmm. and some colors don't even have a single uncommon payoff so green's got sidewinder naga at common tuna green for a four two uh no three two tuna green for a three two and if you have a desert uh it gains does it it doesn't already have trample right it gains trample and gets plus one plus oh Um, so yeah, that's the green common desert payoff. Uh, Dune Diviner is the uncommon one. Uh, two and a green for a two, three, and it has one tap and untap desert you control to gain one life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the green uncommon land is Hashep Oasis, which is, uh, the uncommon cycle of lands. And you can pay one green, green tap and sack a desert you control to give target creature plus three, plus three at sorcery speed. 
Um, and then some other payoffs like at rare or uncommon that aren't like directly applicable to deserts. Uh, there's quarry beetle that's kind of cute. Uh, you can you know buy back a, a land that you've cycled. Hour of Promise, which is the rare build around. Uh, four and a green that lets you go search up two lands that could be deserts. And then if you control three or more deserts, it gives you two 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 zombies. There's Ramianap Hydra that cares about you having deserts in the yard or on the battlefield. Uh, it gets plus one, plus one for each spot you've got a desert. It's three and a green for a three, three trample vigilance reach. Uh, and then it gets plus one, plus one for each location you've got a desert. And there's the Ramianap Excavator that lets you play lands from your graveyard. That one actually is a pretty huge desert payoff. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've got the sacrifice lands. Oh yeah, um, where you can really do some disgusting things with Ramianap Excavator. Um, so yeah, those are those are some of the green ones. Um, really, the un- the comment Sidewinder Naga and Dune Diviner kind of fall into the same category that we talked about in white. Like, you know, you're kind of more happy to include those cards in your deck if you have deserts, but mm-hmm. you're not really trying to go out of your way to pick up deserts for them. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, there might be like a green red like beat down desert matters deck where sidewinder naga fits in but otherwise i don't i haven't seen that deck and i just don't think the the two toughness on that creature is pretty rough like it's gonna trade off and maybe get a few points of damage in but i've not really been impressed by that card and dune diviner i don't think it's like good by any stretch of the imagination like i have actually run it i ran it in a green black deck and i was pretty happy with it because i feel like green black is pretty grindy and uh gets behind often and being able to put uh, get a few points of life gain against some more aggressive decks was actually quite relevant. But all in all, besides these rares that you've listed, which is actually pretty interesting because I think the rare payoffs do push you into more green deserts matter. But if we're just looking at these, the common, the uncommon in the land, green is pretty unexciting in terms of desert matter synergy. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we move into the Grixis colors, which I think are, is really where the um, desert payoffs shine. So black has Wretched Camel at common. That's the two mana, two one that when it dies, if you've got a desert somewhere, it uh, causes your opponent to discard a card. I've been quite impressed with this card. You you sort of pinned this last week. You adjusted this as your third best common in black. And uh, I'm I'm nearly inclined to agree with you. This card has just done nothing but good work when I've got three plus deserts in a deck. Well, it just makes life awkward for your opponent, right? Do they block and discard a card or maybe miss a land drop? Do they block and, like, they can't get rid of a land so that you actually get a two-for-one off of it if you can trade with it? I think if you've got deserts reliably, it just makes life kind of miserable for your opponent. Because norm- normally those types of cards are one-ones, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard it's hard to get, like, two cards for them. Uh, but I think the fact that this is a two-one really gives you a chance to get a relevant two-for-one, especially early in the game. Yeah, for sure. And now we go to Uncommon. And black has nothing. It has no uncommon payoffs, but it makes up for it with its uncommon land in If Near Deadlands. Um, if Near Deadlands is the uncommon land uh, desert that has two black black, uh, tap, sacrifice a desert, and you get to give a creature minus two minus two at sorcery speed. I mean, this is... Minus two minus two counters. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Two minus one minus one counters. Thank you. Uh, and I think If Near Deadlands gets the top spot for a number one desert payoff card in the format. I don't know about about you. you think it's better than sand strangler yeah because it's repeatable i think it might be um and it's a land yeah 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 the fact that it's free it's a like it's a removal spell in a land drop like it's uh really good maybe it's close with sand strangler anyway uh so the fact that black doesn't have an uncommon payoff is fine because if near dead lands is that uncommon payoff in a way um but both wretched camel and if near dead lands i think are you know i'm not wretched camel is 
a step above, I think, the solitary camel in that, like, you know, I'm not taking a wretched camel and then going, ooh, I got to make sure I get some deserts. But uh, if I've got, like, one desert already and I grab a camel, then I am really probably trying to, to get a couple more. And I think people aren't interested in the camel at all that don't have deserts. So if you have taken, like, a couple black deserts early, you're a lot more likely to wheel camel maybe than you would be otherwise because yeah. it really is bad if you don't have enough deserts. Well, it's not bad. It's fine. Like, yeah, below I mean, replacement level. 2 minute 2 one isn't great, but it still is basically worth the card. Maybe a little less. Right. Okay, on to red. Mm-hmm. Uh, common, we've got the Donald, Gilded Ceridon. <laughs> four and a red for a 4-4, four, four, and if you control a desert, it can cause target creature not to be able to block this turn when it attacks. Yeah. Uh, the uncommon one, the Daddy-O, Flame Tongue Kabu himself, the Sand Strangler, three and a red for a 3-3. Three, three. If you control a desert, he gives target creature minus three, minus three until end of turn when he enters the battlefield. Just deals three. Oh, deals three? Just deals oh, three. I thought it was minus three, yeah. minus three. Whoops. I don't have the cards pulled up. Oh, good. From memory. Um, thank you. And then the uncommon land is Ramunap Ruins, uh, two red, red, tap, sacrifice, deals two damage to target opponent. Uh, sacrifice a desert. Yeah. So all, all of those red payoffs are good good gilded ceridon i think is very real if you've got like three to four deserts and gilded ceridon i think is another card you can pick up a little bit later Mm -hmm. and then once you've got two i think you're actively on the lookout for deserts because it turns into a very real relevant five drop that's i think i think very good um helps helps the red deck close out some games sand strangler is obviously insanely good if you have deserts and Ramunap Ruins has, has impressed me more than we gave it credit for in the set review as far as its ability to close out games if you've got two or three deserts on the battlefield. I mean, your opponent's just staring and knowing they've got six less life if the, if the game goes three more turns. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it does... Uh, all these cards do very interesting duty in like both aggressive and control decks or mid-range decks. Like, Gilded Ceridon's ability stacks very well like with two of those in your deck or two of them on the battlefield that that's a very very difficult combat for your opponent um for them to be able to attack you and then have enough blockers to deal with your big four fours sand strangler obviously a house and ramianap ruins like closes out games or provides inevitability for uh controlly decks um in, in terms of being able to to close out games like you said and then if we move on to blue, blue's got a little less to talk about. Um, Unquenchable Thirst at common. Best blue common, I think. We're, we're on the same page there, right? Yep, I think so. Um, that's the one in a blue target creature doesn't, un- enchanted creature doesn't untap. And if you have a desert, it taps it. Now, I do think that I've played this in decks without deserts, and it's kind of miserable. So I think you definitely want to prioritize deserts when you have this. But uh, once you've got them, this card is just nearly premium removal and uh i think you want as many of them as you can when you've got the deserts if we go on to uh uncommon we got nothing no uncommon payoffs and blues uh uncommon land isn't really much of a payoff either all it does is uh one in a blue tap sacrifice a desert and uh you mill your opponent for four cards i don't know ben is the mill deck real I don't think so. It makes me really sad. I'm going to draft it at some point. I haven't gotten a chance yet. I've been trying too hard to like trophy and I don't <laughs> think it's like going to give you a trophy very often. But like once I'm 75 drafts into the format, I think I'm going to be trying to draft that deck a little bit more. Yeah. So I think uh, and, and there's just one more uh, common payoff, which is potentially the best one, potentially the best one. I A card that I am a real true believer of now. Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs. Uh, we talked about that in our uh, roundtable discussion. This card is very impressive to me, but I think let's 
one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this desert payoff thing is I think it's not truly a colorless card. I think it really does sort of lend itself to being a black, red, or blue card because these are the color pairs that you are actively seeking deserts in. I think Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, I think, is something you can really look at like, oh, I had one in my opening pack. I'm seeing one pick five. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to take the second one, and then I'm going to grab a bunch of deserts and build some sort of mid-range control deck like it holds off a lot of creatures it's a real problem for your opponent um it's just like un you can't interact with it as damage like you have to have hard removal for it or be able to like blow it out with a combat trick if i'm blocking one of your tutus yeah i think i think there is actually like a wall of forgotten pharaoh's deck where or almost like a prison style deck in the format where you've Mm -hmm. got like four to five walls i forgot at least it's possible right now while people i think people are sleeping on this card a little bit at this yeah. point in the format this feels like the O'Catcher's avenger of this week or whatever <laughs> yes i agree um so i think if you know if you get four or five of these in a deck uh and you can prioritize some flyers or heaven forbid you get a torment of scarabs and you can stall the board out i think this card is very legitimate and i think it goes well in aggro or control i mean i think it i think it actively pressures your opponent's life total in an aggro deck and can block when they're trying to race you um, I think it shines in a control deck, but I think I think it's very applicable in an aggro deck too. If assuming you've got the desert count to support it, mm-hmm. yeah. So I have sort of like a general desert power rankings in terms of like how aggressively I want to be taking the uh, common deserts or how highly I value them because I don't really think of them all equally, and I I have a loose ranking of best to worst: red, black, blue, white, green. Um. And all, all that is to say is just of like if you're in those if I'm in red, I'm way more likely to take a the red common cycling desert above desert of the fervent. Thank you, above you know medium to good commons in that color. Then if I'm in green, I'm much likely to take the desert of the indomitable over commons, just because I think green has less uh, desert payoffs that I care about. Yeah, assuming you don't get those rares. I think if you get some of the green rares, you really want to be on the lookout for some of those green deserts. Agreed. So do we want to talk about uh, a couple specific cards? Yeah, we already kind of touched on Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs yeah. there. Uh, my my new love child in the set, my new favorite card is Torment of Scarabs. I was, you know, we were both really down on this card, had mm-hmm. it marked as unplayable, I think in the set review and a few days ago chat in twitch convinced me to put the card in my deck and i was like all right whatever like i'm gonna rub it in your faces when this card's terrible mm-hmm. and it actually was like first of all way better than i thought it was gonna be mm-hmm. um and i think there's a couple things that we we didn't pick up on that lead to it being playable um and and maybe even a good playable card i had wrath in my deck bantu's last reckoning mm-hmm. and i think it combos very well with an effect like that that clears the board. Um, so it, it really shines in two situations. Like one, if you're ahead and you're actively pressuring the opponent's life total, because that takes away the choice of them yes. losing life, and then you're getting real cards for it, either on the battlefield or out of their hand. Or if you can actively stall the board out, which I think happens in this format, and it's certainly possible to do with cards like Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs that block Oketra's Avenger into oblivion. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's... In, it, like this card has a huge range of power level, right? So in those two situations, I think when you're ahead or when the board's stalled out, this card is great. It's fantastic. And when you're behind, it is so, so, so bad. Or even if you're like getting slightly pressured, it's not even great. Like you really have to be ahead or the board has to be pretty stalled out. 
But I think it's so powerful in those two situations that it's worth at this, at least at this point, I'm I'm leaning towards wanting to include it in my main deck and sideboarding it out aggressively. And I think the other way you could think about the card is starting it in your sideboard and thinking of it as a very, very powerful sideboard card to bring in. Mm-hmm. If you think if you think you're gonna stall out or if you think you're gonna be ahead in the matchup. But as of right now, I'm when I get that card, I'm actively looking for Wrath. Obviously, you're gonna play Wrath anyway. Um, or I'm looking to play it in an aggro deck. Have you had a chance to play with it yet? I have. Uh, yeah, I really like it a lot. I- I've had it in my in some like black red. I feel like uh, we'll get into this as we're going to talk about um, sort of like color pairs and what those decks look like in our experience. Um, but I feel like red black can be one of two things. It can be aggressive or controlly, and I feel like the Torment of Scarabs goes in either slot because obviously in aggressive decks it's great because it closes the game out. And in control decks, your removal is also is often doing a lot of the work of getting creatures off the board that you care about. So Torment of Scarabs is helping to either pick apart your opponent's hand or reduce their life total, and that turns into your win condition. So yeah, I've been very impressed with this card in uh, those sort of uh, either Grixis, aggro, or control decks. Yeah, I'm still a little wary on Torment of Hailfire. I think Torment of Scarabs is probably better than Torment of Hailfire. I've not played with Torment of Hailfire yet. But I think the fact that it's all in one go and takes a lot of mana, uh, like you can't fire this off for like X equals three and have it really, really expected to do anything. I think X needs to be around like six, five, six, and they can't have a lot of permanence or extra cards in their hand. Um, so that one, I'm still, the jury's still out on that one for me. But I, I am turned around on Storm of Scarabs. I think it's playable and I'm pretty excited. There's, It's a pretty good feeling when you get the game to a point mm-hmm. like where they have no cards on the battlefield or one card on the battlefield and no cards in hand so where like you just know like you torment of scarabs lock them out it kind of feels like playing with braids or something in cube and that's one of my favorite cards to play with in cube yeah i uh quick torment of hellfire story i had uh pride sovereign in a deck and i like a green black deck splashing white for the pride sovereign activated ability eventually in that game my opponent cast torment of hellfire for eight i still won because you were able to sack all the because i had tokens. so many cats i mean i still sa- i sacked like some cat tokens i sacked some i discarded the two cards in my hand i sacrificed some more creatures but i was like well my pride sovereign's just gonna get me out of this so like that was lucky but i feel like if your opponent casts a 10 mana spell they should win the game and my opponent did not i agree yeah that's and that's another reason why the jury is still out for me yeah on that card all right, you've. I think you've been playing a lot with Proven Combatant. What's what's yeah, going on there? I wanted there? to add Proven Combatant. So I think this card is a lot, maybe not a lot better, but certainly better than I thought it was on the outset. And I have we we touched on a few of these when we were talking about Dagger of the Worthy last week. That like that card rewards derpy creatures, and the the blue this blue Eternalizer is a pretty derpy creature. Um, I, I just think it does enough in enough situations it eats a minus one minus one counter really well off a lethal sting or off of a baleful Ahmed or any of those other uh minus one minus one counter cards from Amonkhet, which i think is good for it because then you're just going to rebuy it as a four four later in the game um obviously with vizier of the anointed which people still are criminally underrating uh it is great because it's like a very low impact card uh like i mean not low impact card in that like a one mana one one is bad but like you can get those and once you eternalize anything off vizier it's great so just being able to have that sort of uh option at common to turn on your vizier of the anointed is important um yes vizier of the anointed is great you need to stop passing at people you have time to do that kind of stuff in this format yeah so i i just think it does enough it slots into enough uh 
spots and like you know if you happen to grab some a blue cartouche in pack three it wears a blue cartouche great i just think it, it does enough little things that it adds up to being worth a card in this format um so I, I'm, I'm higher on it than i was in the set review i agree i think it blocks a lot of x1s really well and it forces cards like oketra's avenger to exert mm-hmm. uh, which turns it down to 1.5 damage a turn instead of three damage a turn you know yeah yeah i think it does a lot of little things okay so a, a card i want to ask you about that mm-hmm. i have had no success with at all <laughs> that everybody else seems to just love is aerial guide like i cannot figure out what deck this wants to be in uh i i understand that it's a powerful card like three mana two two flyers already good and then it can jump another creature which is great but mm-hmm. where i keep getting wrecked when i play this card is it is such a miserable blocker like i keep finding myself when i play blue decks i want aerial guide in them because i think it's a good card and then I always end up being on the back foot, and I always end up wanting to block with my aerial guide, but I can't because it's horrible at blocking. And then I'm not putting enough pressure on the opponent to actually win the race with my aerial guide. Um, so ha- have you had success with it, and what, what do you think about all that? I think I agree with everything you're saying because I haven't had a ton of success with it. It's hard for me to figure out exactly where it goes in because I don't think it really fits in blue-white because a lot of those creatures are on the smaller side, and a lot of them already have evasion. I don't think it slots into blue-red spells, which I do think is what that deck wants to do. Um, I don't think it fits there. Uh, I think it more belongs in what I have sort of seen the inklings of, but not quite a lot of, is there's a blue-black aggro deck out there for sure, with uh, Kenra Eternals and Spellweaver Eternals, um, Uh and Tempo and Removal, and I think this card fits in really nicely there. And I also think it goes in blue-green, just like you know leaping a colossipede is pretty huge i think the things you need is you cannot be all in maybe except in this blue black deck that i'm i believe exists uh but i don't think you can be all in on the aggro plan because it's such a terrible blocker so you do need to have like oasis ritualist back to block while you're doing your like attack with aerial guide plus jumping my hooded brawler thing you need to have something that's helping you balance out that race and also uh stem the bleeding while you're trying to attack your opponent in the air right that makes sense to me so what what i think like i've i keep thinking blue green's where it goes but i've oath o2'd three times when i've tried to draft blue green decks with aerial guide in them uh and maybe it's a, it's a small sample size you know so it right. could just be variants i think i've gotten a little unlucky but it feels like uh, the blue green deck is like a touch slower than the other like blue green's not really aggro right i so don't think it is I, I think i think i've been drafting trying to draft it as like blue green aggro with aerial guides and i don't think that's a deck at all like with ronus's stalwarts and yeah. like spellweaver eternals and aerial guides i think you want to be trying to stabilize in your blue green deck maybe and then jump something larger like a colossipede and i also think i i'm wanting unsummon more and more in yes. every blue deck. i think yes i think that card's gone up a ton for me and i think part of the reason my blue decks haven't been doing well is i haven't had a copy of unsummon or even two copies of unsummon i think i would want two copies of unsummon in a lot of the blue decks in the format i think i agree with that completely okay um another card i really want to talk about is Razakus, right mm-hmm. uh the demonic tutor for three black black lets you go search up a card and also has cycling black this card has really impressed me and i just wanted to shout out that i think it belongs in every black deck that has any bomb that you want to search for mm-hmm. it's such a low cost because you can cycle for a single black i mean if it were cycling two i think it would even be like a lot worse than it was but i still might might run it but the fact that it's a single black just means you can get it out of your hand pretty easily um and you can search up your your wrath you can search up your bomb i think you should be prioritizing this card even if you don't have a bomb yet 
in anticipation of the fact that you might get a bomb. I mean, obviously you're not first picking it or whatever, right. but if you have a chance to pick one up over like a replacement level common or something like that, I, I'm looking to do that at this point. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm not quite at that point, but I, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that has a lot of merit that like Amonkhet had a lot of game winning bombs in it and this format is no different. And if you grab, and especially in, in Grixis colors, I mean, all three of the gods are like just stone cold, Game-winning bombs, Nicol Bolas as well, um, and having a second copy of that in your deck is really worth it, even if you're taking a turn off. Yeah, and I, I might be overselling a little bit, but I a couple of my trophies were with uh, Decks the Head, <laughs> Torment of Scarabs, and Bantu's Last Reckoning, and Razakas, right? So I could piece together like the old Wrath, Torment of Scarabs. It felt like I was playing Cube a little bit, because <laughs> uh, I, could, I could tutor up whichever half of the old Wombo combo I was missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I had stalled the board out to really put the lock on my opponent. Nice. All right. So uh, I think for the the bulk of the episode today, even though you know, we're probably about halfway through now, uh, we wanted to give a rundown of uh, the color pairs in the format and what our impressions of those decks uh, have been and what sort of cards go in those decks, what maybe pulls you into being in those decks. Um, so I think just to start out, we'll go with the maybe the deck we were the highest on at the start, which was Red White Aggro Exert. And I think that is still what the deck is trying to do. I mean, you can look to the uncommon cycle uh, in these color pairs. Now, there's only the enemy color cycle here in uh, Hour of Devastation, but for red-white, we have Resolute Survivors, and that just has it all. It's a 3-mana 3-3 that when you exert a creature, you get to deal your opponent a damage and gain a life. So it's dealing them damage, it's helping you race, it's benefiting all your exerters so i mean that's what this deck is trying to do it's got kenner scrapper and oketra's avenger as the premium common creatures i think dauntless haven shines the most in this deck um gilded ceridon doing its best impression of on crop crasher that it can and then obviously all the removal spells uh in red like open fire and puncturing blow compulsory rests in white etc yeah i think uh i would I would disagree slightly. I think Dauntless Avon's better in green-white than it is in red-white. I have loved Dauntless Avon in my green-white exert decks. That's fair. I, I have not liked my green-white decks, so... like Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I've been really happy with good green-white exert beatdown decks. Well, it must be nice when you just, like, get past all the cat lords. I saw that the other day. Yeah, I had the old the old cat draft going on the other day. I had both. I had uh, the 2-2 that makes two cat tokens. Pride Sovereign and Regal Caracol. Unbelievable. Yeah, thank you for naming them yeah. so I didn't struggle through the card descriptions there. No <laughs> Appreciate worries. it. So I think Red-White, Aggro Exert, I think now that Oketra's Avenger is a little harder to pick up, mm-hmm. I think for this deck to be really Tier 1, you really want Resolute Survivors and Vizier the True in the deck uh, to really give it that extra punch. Yes, I agree. And, and you've got to have good 2-drop Exerters. I think you also want... It has, like, weird and meta as this is. I think it's really important that white is open in your first pack for this so that you get Gustwalker in the third pack. Yep, I agree. Anything else you want to say about red-white before we move on? I don't think so. I think it's pretty straightforward. Sweet. All right. What do we got next? Next up, we've got red-black. I've I've been liking red-black quite a bit. Uh, I think there's kind of two different red-black decks. One would be an aggressive deck uh, with Kenra Eternals, Marauding Bone Slashers... Kenner Scrapper, that type of stuff, mm-hmm. the red aggressive cards. Um, and there's kind of a red-black controly deck with with that headlines around like Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs mm-hmm. um, that kind of tries to stall out and uses removal. And that that's kind of the deck, I think, where Torment of Scarabs really shines. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think Red Black's flexible, and I think the way the way you get into Red Black is by first picking cards or picking cards highly like open fire, a braid, 
Lethal Sting and Torment of Venom, and then you see which kind of creatures come to you. At least that's how I've been having the most success drafting it. I totally agree. I mean, Red and Black's removal is so good, and there's so much of it that I think that's yeah how you get into this deck. And then it's like, am I getting the earlier aggressive drops or am i getting the later payoff cards i also think because there's a lot of colorless fixing in like traveler's amulet and evolving wilds that you and even i've been pretty impressed by survivors encampment especially because these grixis colors care about deserts that you can often splash for a third color in these decks for a bomb like if you do get a god or whatever any any single colored splash that you think is relevant for this deck i think is very uh possible even though you're not in green Right. How do you feel about Manolith in that? In I'm that still pretty low on Manolith. I am also still pretty low on Manolith. I just wanted to check in with you on that. Yeah, I'm still I, I, fine with Traveler's Amulet. Fine with the the, the rest of the. Um, I'm actually yeah. I can't believe I'm actually like oh yeah. Survivor's Encampment is pretty good, but I do not do not like Manolith yet. I think Survivor's Encampment is good because Wallow Forgotten Pharaohs is good. Yes, agreed. Um, okay, what's what's next? Okay, so this is uh, blue red, which I think really wants to be spells matter uh, i'd be curious to hear what your decks look like because i think this is a really deep deck but so at common i think spellweaver eternal and firebrand archer sort of give the game away spellweaver eternal having prowess and firebrand archer having like sort of prowess pinging and that whenever you cast a non-creature thing it deals a damage to your opponent i think it's basically a secret blue red gold card i've also had that i've also had firebrand archer do some work for me in red black oh, okay i can see that for sure like with with a lot of removal yeah and then cards that have actually so bloodwater entity at as the uncommon, and that also tells you like it's got prowess. It rebuys a spell if you want. Um, I think unsummon is fantastic at common here. Just like provides a lot of tempo and powers out all your uh, common creatures that deal damage or have prowess. I've run basically just one time. I had a blue red deck, but I ran riddle form in it, and I had Magmaroth. Uh, so I like really went deep with the spells matter life, and I think. I think they belong in this deck in a very real way. And I also have been impressed by the spells that replace themselves, like Crash Through and uh, Strategic Planning. I think yeah. those also belong in this deck just fine. And you can get those cards really late, which is really nice. If, like, Blue-Red is open for your seat, you can you can take the Spellweaver Eternals the first go-around, and then you can pick up the Strategic Plannings or the Crash Throughs, and it, it really adds up to a pretty aggressive deck. Yeah, I've really not had a chance to draft this deck at all yet but i i have a picture of what i want it to look like now and i I really want to draft this deck because i think it's really good mm-hmm. and i i agree with all the stuff you said i've I faced it down and riddle form like when you're trying to play defense riddle form is pretty annoying because it dodges all the sorcery speed removal yep so i mean i like i lost to this deck because i had sorcery speed answers and my opponent did the last nine points of damage to me with a riddle form um and i think you want it to be I don't think uh, Aerial Guide goes in the deck, really. I think you want it to be super low to the ground with yeah. Spellweaver Eternals and Firebrand Archers. And I think it's worth noting that it's not necessarily spells anymore. Like, it's non-creature spells, right? Because I think right. a lot of it revolves around prowess now, as opposed to, like, actual instants and sorceries being in your graveyard like it was in Amonkhet. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not cycling matters. It's spells matter. <laughs> so cards like cards like the Pyramid, uh, like, you know, that's an artifact that draws you cards, yep. goes in this deck. The dagger really goes in this deck. It triggers mm-hmm. all this stuff, and it makes your two ones into very real threats. Yeah, I'm, I think I think this deck's very good, and I, I think it, I haven't drafted it yet because it's hard to get into. I think also this is one of the decks that, that people know about. I think people are, are aware of this deck now and are drafting it. Well, and I think... Well, let's talk about getting into it for a second. Sure. So to, get, to, get, to get into this deck, at least from, from my point of view... 
the way to get into this deck is either you open like some sick blue rare like Kefnet's Last Word, or like some very good blue spell or bomb that gets you drafting blue, or you're picking like open fires and a braids, mm-hmm. and then and then you start seeing like Spellweaver Eternals and Firebrand Archers and Riddle Forms and Magros. I don't think you want to be going into this deck for any of those cards. So you your draft has to, at least the way I like to draft, it feels like your draft has to kind of like, because I'm trying to stay open when I draft, you have to see the removal and the good blue and red cards first and then see like pick six, pick seven, like Firebrand Archers, Spellweaver Eternals or Riddle Forms, Magmaros, and then be wheeling like crash-throughs and strategic plannings. So yeah. I think it's, it's a tricky recipe to put together. It feels kind of like... Uh, like the spider spawning deck from uh, Innistrad in a way of like like that's how that deck felt like like you started off with these cards you saw one of the big payoff cards then you were wheeling the the like engine cards and uh, a powerful limited deck can take advantage like when you want crash through in your deck uh, and it's actively good but you're getting it 13th pick it's just insanely good for you it's insanely good for you yeah um i also think wait so so let's back up a second you weren't just first picking spider spawning and forcing uh because <laughs> i was definitely doing that <laughs> for sure for sure but sometimes that doesn't happen right sometimes you're right. like taking armored scobs or whatever um, sure. i'm just being ridiculous <laughs> um i also think Bloodwater entity is a reason to get into this deck like if you first pick unquenchable thirst or open fire and then see entity second and like you know it's kind of close i think that's a reason to get into this deck yeah um Cool. Well, why don't you talk about Green-White Exert? Yeah, Green-White is, I think, Exert Beatdown. Uh, I've had a lot of success with this deck. I've, I like it a lot more now in Hour of Devastation than I did in Amonkhet, uh, mostly because I think Ambuscade is insane. So you're trying to pick up, like, two-drop Exerters. You're trying to pick up, and I think in Hour of Devastation, there's two, like, insanely good two-drop Exerters yes. in Green-White. Yes. So, like, you're this deck's headlined by Oketra's Avenger and Ronus' Stalwart, right? And then there's another good common, Dauntless Aven, that not every deck wants that you can get a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So those two things. And then there's like insanely good rares, like Pride Sovereign that go in the deck as well. Um, and that's actually how I've gotten into the deck, like picking a good green or white rare and then seeing some of the good commons or some good ambuscades and then seeing the commons flow. Um, and then if it's open, like a lot of times you're going to be getting Hooded Brawler yeah. in the pack. And Hooded Brawler just feels so insanely good uh after some of the hour of devastation cards like it just feels like an uncommon almost um that you're getting for your deck so the few times i've been green white i've gone into the amonkhet pack being like dear god the only thing i want is on crop champion like the only thing i want <laughs> is the four mana four four that can untap my team because the untap effects are so good like synchronized strike is insane active heroism insane like because you are you're getting so much tempo by exerting your creatures if you're able to rebuy them the next turn as an exerter it's it's very very aggressive yeah i i almost am at the point where i like feel more comfortable drafting green white right now than i do red white beatdown i almost like it that much interesting yeah so it's it's been very good for me and i think you're just trying to get those common exerters and backing it up with combat tricks and removal and beating some face in moving on to a deck that i am really not super excited by i haven't quite figured out like it doesn't have, seem to have clear synergies to me, is red-green. It just sort of seems like you can get a collection of some good aggressive cards. I don't know what the clear synergies are. Like, maybe it could be... Uh, certainly seems beat-down-y with some exerters, good removal, um, some combat tricks. Could have some desert matter synergy, potentially, if you have some of those green rare payoffs. 
Also could be able to splash a third color pretty easily because it's in green. So I feel like has a chance to hedge aggressive or mid-range or controlly depending on the power level of your cards and the color requirements of them. But I, I haven't really seen these decks do a lot of work. I don't know about you. I, I think what you described is pretty clear there. Yeah. Uh, like it's there's kind of a deserts matter thing going on. Like, but I think that that revolves around you getting some of the green rare payoffs for deserts before you're really looking to move into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think you're just, it's, it's a lot less focused of an aggro deck than some of the other decks, but I mean, if you get like some open fires and some ambuscades and some creatures, like you're going to be doing it. Like your deck's going to be beating down and you're going to be killing some things. Yeah. Um, to me, that's how like, I'm not, I'm not looking to draft red green at all, but the way I end up there is if I go like pick one open fire, pick two ambuscade, pick three ambuscade, uh, and then like red and green end up being open and yeah. you're kind of doing it then. Uh, up next we've got black green. Uh, this has been something I've probably had the most success with. Yeah. Uh, so far in the format for me um i think it's kind of mid-range and i think you're trying to build your deck to beat the aggro decks like that's when i when i'm drafting green black my number one thing is am i punishing the aggro decks and then secondarily to that is do i have a way to like if i'm playing against another mid-range or control deck how can i go over the top of them Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I think the it used to be minus one, minus one counters, right? And I think the minus one, minus one counters still matter a little bit, but I think you have to get pretty lucky in Amonkhet for that to really, really come together. Yeah. Obelisk Spider is obviously great in the deck. I think Bitterbow Sharpshooter is just a good, great creature in the deck that really gums up the ground and the air um, and really helps you stabilize. Mm-hmm. Uh, this deck's got premium removal again in Ambuscade, Torment of Venom, and Lethal Sting, and I think Lethal Sting is at its best in this green-black deck. Deserts matter here uh, for cards like Wretched Camel, and you know we already went through all that. There's a lot of good green payoffs. Uh, this is something where you really want Hour of Promise is really good in this deck because it lets you splash. I found a lot of a lot of times green black. I really want to be splashing some red removal or blue for the River Hoopoo or yeah. things like that, um, and that helps you go over the top of the other control decks. So yeah, that's that's kind of been been my experience with about green. I think it's been great. Uh, Sifter Worm has been insanely good in this deck and i think this deck also really wants oasis ritualist to help you ramp Mm -hmm. and to help you splash yeah i totally agree i think yeah i think think of it as a mid-range control deck is absolutely right like you're trying to beat the aggro decks and then value out the more the other grindy decks and i've also tried to draft green black aggro with like ronus's stalwarts and kenra eternals and it did not work very well yeah it doesn't doesn't seem like that's where you want to be yeah all right, well, we're going to Ben's favorite deck, which is blue-green, right? You love oh, this deck? Oh, man. God, I've been so brutalized. I just don't, and I don't think it's bad. I just, I don't think I'm drafting it right. So enlighten me. All right. Teach me the ways. So as as the uh, streamer this showdown you, this is victor. What you, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, that's what you won the streamer showdown as, with. It's actually pretty, as as you said, when you rewatch the draft, like, this was a contested, basically in the streamer showdown, uh, green was pretty open, pack one, not a real clear direction where we were going to go in pack two and then i had vizier of the anointed versus torment of venom followed up by river hoopoo versus obelisk spider and so there was a lot of people who i think would have gone black there um but i took vizier of the anointed because i am insane and i love that card and then i took the hoopoo and i think the hoopoo is really the thing to keep in mind when thinking about blue green not that you're going to have it in every blue green deck but I think it is a like signal of what this deck is trying to do. 
it's a late game card. So that's what you're, I think that's what blue green is trying to do. It's not, I don't think there really is a blue green aggro deck with aerial guide, though maybe it could be. I think aerial guide can slot in here, but you're not really aggressive. So you're ramping for sure. Uh, I think Oasis Ritualist, Naga Vitalist, Bitterbow Sharpshooter is a great card. It's coming up again here because it plays both offense and defense. I think tempo plays like Unsummon or Winds of Rebuke um, are really valuable in these decks because uh, they allow you to uh, gain a lot of tempo advantage, which is sort of like getting a, a card advantage sometimes. Um, so I think that's really what this deck is trying to do. I think it's tempo backed up by card advantage, whether it's in eternalizing stuff with the Vizier of the Anointed, whether it's inactivating Hoopoo, whether it's other sort of blue card draw spells. Um, I think the fact that blue got a great uh, premium removal spell at common and unquenchable thirst um, is a reason why this deck is viable. And green got ambuscade, which is also another fantastic uh, removal spell. But I think that's that's sort of what, what blue green's trying to do. Right, and I think if, if you're... Like using your unsummons and your winds of rebuke defensively in this deck, I think it's probably not the end of the world because you're gonna have cards like Hoopoo or that sunset pyramid slots in here. Like, yeah, like you're gonna have ways to draw cards. You're gonna have hieroglyphic illumination from Amonkhet or or things like that. So yeah. I don't think it's the end of the world if you're using those defensively, and you can you can really blow out the people that are trying to to steamroll you over with ambuscades with those cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. All right, um, so I will I will try to draft blue green control. <laughs> see if I can see if I can get get it going here. Uh, next up, we've got blue white of the of the blue decks I've drafted. I've had the most success with blue white. Um, it's still kind of embalm slash eternalize. Actually, you just played against a very interesting blue white deck oh that God, I've not really yeah. seen yet on stream. Like earlier today, it was like all of the derpiest <laughs> embalm eternalized creatures, like proven combatant and steadfast sentinels, just like. The one three that gains you life. What's that one called? From no, Anointer Priest. Yeah, Anointer Priest. It was just like cards that were like D's, like solid D's, solid two stars. Um, and they then, did have overwhelming splendor to back up all that, so they were just like derp, right. derp, 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 win. But they had like strategic plannings to go dig. Like I thought the deck mm -hmm. was good. It looked it looked like an approach to the Second Sun deck. Yeah, built around overwhelming splendor. It was it was good. But anyway, so I, I think Blue White's been at least the way i built it is blue white skies a lot um mm -hmm. and kind of kind of aggressive have been my builds like with some oketra's avengers and some gust walkers too Al almost like the blue white slither blade decks just with like maybe a touch slower than that without the slither blades some cards that really shine here vizier the anointed don't pass that card people it's mm -hmm. so good i i would be fine first picking vizier the anointed and i routinely see it wheel or like seventh or eighth pick. to first pick it thrilled yeah uh, Sunscourge Champion's great. That card's gone up for me oh, yeah. quite a bit. That card is a house. It's done some really good work. Aerial Guide goes here, can jump some of your ground creatures. Uh, I don't think Aerial Guide's like fantastic in the deck, but fine. I don't know. I'm just pretty down it on also, Aerial Guide in general. Jumping the 4 4 Eternalized tokens is not nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also very true. Uh, Dauntless Haven's good here. Obviously, if you've got cards like Oketra's Avenger or Gust Walker or things that want to be exerting, mm -hmm. Spellweaver Eternal, Oketra's Avenger. So I, I kind of think of it as like blue-white tempo aggro flyers. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I've been drafting it. Yeah. I, I think, uh, especially looking at the deck that you were just talking about that I played against today, I do think there is a, a more controlly build, but I do think it requires Vizier of the Anointed slash a finisher-like Overwhelming Splendor. Um, because a lot of your creatures don't block very well, even though they do have two lives. But uh, I do think that the more aggressive tempo-based version of this deck is probably better. Yeah, that's where I would definitely lean also. What about blue-black? Blue-black, I haven't 
got a read on this deck yet. Um, it seems like there might, so as I was talking about before, it seems like there might be a blue-black aggro deck with Spellweaver Eternal and Kenra Eternal at, uh, as good aggressive commons, backed up by the amount of removal that black has, uh, plus Unquenchable Thirst, any Desert Matter synergy, maybe throw, uh, the um, Wall of Forgotten Pharaoh goes in here. But it doesn't seem like there are the cycling payoffs in this format that there were in Triple Amonkhet. Like, basically, there's the... Um, oh, gosh, what's the Air Elemental called? Ominous Sphinx? Yeah, so there's Ominous Sphinx at Uncommon, but that really doesn't need cyclers to be good. Much like, what's it called? Like, Archfiend of Ifnir did not need cyclers to be good. It's just still a fantastic card. So there's that at Uncommon. There's Vile Manifestation. Have you had any experience with this card? Uh, I've played against it. I've not played it, and it's been mediocre for my opponents. Yeah, that's my feeling. So the that these and, and Grizzly Survivor is like um, uh, Hecma Sentinels, but in black. I think it's I think it's worse than Hecma Sentinels because it doesn't, it doesn't block. Yeah. Like it doesn't threaten to block like as a a three four. So I also think that this deck has the option of just being sort of like blue black good stuff plus like again has colorless. It can have desert matter synergy. It can have colorless splashing for a third color um pretty easily with survivors encampment and traveler's amulet but i haven't gotten quite a read on this deck i haven't played played with it enough or against it enough to really see what's going on i've only played blue black a few times and i've mostly ended up there because i've had good blue cards and good black cards that i've picked early yeah. like I've, I've i first picked kefnet's last word i second picked bane whip punisher and blue and black seem sort of open I ended up with a blue black controlly type deck uh and it, it's not gone great for me i've never trophied with it i've two one with it a lot just mostly on the back of card quality you also kind of alluded alluded to a blue black aggro deck what do you think that looks like so i think yeah i think that's gonna look like the the suite of premium removal the lethal stings the torment of venoms the unquenchable thirsts i think it's gonna have as many kenra eternals and spellweaver eternals as you can find i think probably aerial guide goes in this deck um i think torment of scarabs goes in this deck um, so that would be my guess of what that deck looks like. I, I someone in my uh, stream uh, screenshotted a deck like that and sent it to me, and it looked very. That looks like a very real deck. I think they said they three owed with it. Um, so, but I haven't had a chance to play with or against it, so I can't speak to it. I have also not, but I, I'm curious to try it out. I want to be on the lookout for it. Yeah. All right, bring us home here. What's last? White black zombies. I have not drafted. Well, that's not true. I've drafted white black exactly once when I had uh, double grind to dust, and it was insanely good. <laughs> um, but other than that, I have not found myself ending up in white black zombies. Uh, so car- cards that go in the deck. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Cards that say zombie on them, you probably want in this deck. Um, Unraveling mummy is the gold payoff card where you can do one in a white, give it life link. One in a black, give it death touch for any of your zombies that are attacking. Uh, a cursed horde, the three in a black for the hill giant that gives one in a black to give target attacking zombie indestructible. Unconventional tactics, that's the zombie build around that gives plus three, plus three and flying. That's actually been the most relevant. I actually kind of value unconventional tactics. I think I've not played with them, but against those three cards, I'm the most scared of unconventional tactics, I think. I agree. Because it just offers such a repeated threat throughout the course of the game and a lot of a lot of closing power for the mummy's deck. Yeah. Um, and then there's Mummy Paramount, uh, kind of a secret black-white-gold card, even though it is in white. Um, you can maybe put it in white-red if you've got some Embalmers and uh, the Devastator that's a 3-3 zombie with the right. Afflict 2. And then there's also Kenra Eternal, the 2-2 Afflict 1, white and a black, or 1 and a black. Um, so cards that say zombie on them go in the deck. I think 
Yeah, we we talked about it last last episode. I think it got a little worse because you're reliant on the zombies cards being opened in Amonkhet, and I think the zombies cards in Amonkhet are a lot better than the zombies cards in Hour of Devastation. Yeah, I think again this deck sort of like the red white deck. You want to be aware of it being open in pack one or like cutting it hard in pack two because the payoffs in pack three are huge. Like getting Binding Mummy sixth pick in the Amonkhet pack is gonna what is gonna be what pushes this deck over the top. So I think if there are two white black zombie drafters at the table, you probably neither are gonna have neither of those people are gonna have a good deck. But if I think there is out of eight packs, I think there's gonna there is a good white black zombie deck to be found. Yeah, you just you just want to be the only one doing it. Yeah. Um, so here's here's a thought for you, and I want to throw this out. I know you're not gonna agree with me for the blue parts of it, but okay. it seems to me that the enemy color pairs, because they all have an uncommon in Hour of Devastation, are generally better than the allied color pairs. So you mean like the cars, like Bloodwater Entity mm-hmm. and Obelisk Spider? I think so. That, that would be like what blue, blue, red, black, green, white, black, red, white, and blue, green. Yes, uh, I think all of those cards are pulls, like strong pulls towards drafting that color pair. And I think the fact that the allied color pairs don't have those leaves them feeling a bit uh, lacking identity. Red, black, I think because it's so has such deep common removal sort of has the and because it's desert matter synergies are there allows it to like sort of rise above that and and have what seems to be two viable strategies but a lot of the other colors like you seem to be having some success with green white green white i can i can get behind that so we you know we're talking about these uncommon cards being pulled towards drafting the allied color pairs i think in the green white deck appeal to authority is very good okay it's really it's really impressed me. I'm very happy to have like one or two of that card in my green white decks. I right. think it's better than overcome in that deck. Great. I can get behind that. But yeah, I think the other color like red green feels like I don't really know what the deck's trying to do. Blue black, I'm not quite sure what the deck's trying to do. And the I I, I don't think it's because they don't have an uncommon uncommon card in their colors. Obviously, there are the the allied color aftermath cards that are uncommon, but I think right. those are much less, you know, you're, you're just playing farm in a white deck. You don't need, you're not playing farm to market and it pulls you into blue white. Right. And consigned to oblivion is just kind of a good value card right. and blue black. Yeah. So, uh, I do agree with that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, wow, well, I feel like the, the uncommon color pairs feel so much clearer about what they want to do than the, uh, allied ones. Yeah. So are there, are there any color pairs that you are, actively you know really really excited to draft like if you sit down to a draft what and i told you you could draft any color pair right now what would it be probably like blue red but i'm i'm really right now i'm really excited about any combination of blue red black and desert matter synergies how about you i think for me it would be green black green black or black red yeah but I, I am looking forward to, now that we've talked about blue a little bit, I'm looking forward to try to draft. I, well, I've been looking to draft blue-red spells like for quite a bit now, but I, I like I said, I think that deck's pretty hard to get into. Yeah. I'm looking forward to trying to, to crack the code on blue-green and blue-black um, in, in draft. Yeah. The blue-black, we, we, I think we got to do some research for next episode, try and come back with some data about blue-black. Yes, for sure. Speaking of... Yeah, next next episode, uh, I think we're going to take a look at uh, cards that have changed in value from Amonkhet, uh, like what's gone up, what's gone down, uh, and I think we want to go deeper on a, dr- uh, a draft, like at the at the round table, like maybe go four or five picks deep uh, and talk about like pivoting, see if we can find see if we can find a draft that Ethan or I have done that has some really interesting choices as far as like 
you start out in a color, you've got an option to go into a second color, and then maybe you see a card that might allow you to abandon your first pick or something like that. We'll try to find a really interesting one and go go a little bit deeper onto a draft, because I think that's one of the biggest skills uh, in drafting that can separate you separate you out from other drafters. For sure. Um, and as always, thanks to Springtide for our outro music. The song you heard was The Introduction with No Words. Uh, music can be found at www.springtide.jp. And we have still, uh, you heard last week, our new intro music from Salty Pretzels. Uh, so big shout out to him. Thank you for that. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me or Ben, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Lord Tupperware and Ben is at Mr. Metronome. And both of those are also our Twitch handles. Come hang out, spam our chats on twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware and twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Yeah, and if anybody's got any feedback about the show or questions for us, if you've got a pick you're unsure of or if you've got a color pair you've struggled drafting and you want us to kind of kind of take a look and give our opinions on it uh send us a quick email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com and also if you're enjoying the podcast and you would take the time to leave us a review on itunes or stitcher or wherever you found it we would really appreciate that as well and thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited yep thanks everybody see you later